This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Europe, the end of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Today on the Indo Daily, the first gangland murder of 2023. The murder of Brandon Ledgewit in Finglas last week was remarkable in that it was the first such killing of the year. The scene of the first gangland shooting this year remained sealed off today for a forensic examination. Just before 7 o'clock last night, a gunman called here to a family home in Barry Drive in Finglas and shot dead Brandon Ledwich. He'd set up an independent network. He was really annoying people, criminals that were a lot more established than he was. The 23-year-old was shot dead outside his home in a pretty brazen attack. It seems that Brandon answered the front door of his home and he was shot up to, I think, four times in the head and body. The injuries he suffered were catastrophic. He was never going to be able to survive from that. His funeral heard about a man who wasn't without a big fat joint in his mouth and a hammer in his pocket. And further violence took place afterwards at a pub, sparking fears of an uptick in gangland feuding. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Ken Foy, crime correspondent with the Irish Independent, to discuss the motive behind Brandon Ledgewood's murder and whether the relative calm in the gangland world has been shattered. Ken Foy, Brandon Ledgewood is not a name I would be particularly familiar with from reading your crime articles in the Irish Independent or the Sunday World. Who was he? Well, he was a he was a twenty three year old. Would have been considered a, a low level drug dealer, really. Before he was brutally murdered on the night of November eighteenth, when he came to answer the door of his home, he was shot a number of times in the head and the body. And this really goes back to what is a localized row. Brandon had been involved in the drugs trade, and in fact, at the time of his death, he was facing three separate charges in relation to the possession of cocaine and heroin. With, with intent to supply. These charges don't relate to huge amounts of drugs. He had been caught by Gardaí on three different occasions over the space of many months, which shows, I suppose, one thing, that he was kind of prolific. And he was prolific in the sense that he worked, originally he would have worked, there's two in, the, in that particular Barry area of Finglas, there's two particular um, family-based, long-established, organised crime gangs who've been in, basically in charge of drug dealing in that area. I mean, street level stuff, a lot of it. People come in from different parts of the city 
to collect their hard drugs. Often it's either crack cocaine or heroin. And it's a very localised gang. Ledwidge would have been a key member of that crowd. But it, it seems that in the, in the months before the murder, he kind of went out and started doing his own thing, independent of these more senior criminals. And within that, it led to some localised rows, including with a young relative who's, who seems to have been assaulted in the immediate build-up to the murder. There's a relative, Ken, of, the, of who is now the chief suspect for Ledwidge's murder. Is that right? The main theory at this stage is that the relative of the chief suspect, that this was almost a kind of enough is enough scenario from the victim's former associates, and he ended up being shot dead. And Ken, the actual murder took place at seven o'clock in the evening. It's it's dark these evenings, but it was right on Brandon Ledwith's own doorstep. It was. As you say, it happened around 7pm at his home in Barry Drive. It was a lone gunman armed with a handgun. And it seems that Brandon answered the front door of his home and he was shot up to, I think, four times in the head and body. The injuries he suffered were catastrophic. He was never going to be able to survive from that. And it's understood then the lone gunman escaped the scene on foot. From reading the reports, Ken, post the murder, there's phrases in there like Ledridge was a real bully. It was almost as if he was getting too big for his boots. Is that what was taking place on the ground? That's certainly the view. He'd set up an independent network. He was really annoying people criminals that were a lot more established than he was and by as part of his independent network he was bullying people as as I described there with the assault on the relative of the chief suspect in the case he was annoying a lot of people on the ground Tell me about the funeral Ken because that got a lot of headlines subsequently for what happened on that day Yes well the funeral it took place at say Canis' church in Finglas last Thursday and basically it led to the village of Finglas being ground to a standstill because outside the church a large number of youths were on scramblers and motorbikes forming wheelies and this was despite a large guard of presence in the vicinity for the event. There was a huge turnout at it. Basically the eulogy I suppose which was written by his sister and read out by his cousin but that's received a huge amount of media attention particularly in relation to some some of the descriptions of the dead man, such as that he was a party animal and things like that. He, he always had a fat joint in his mouth and a hammer in his pocket and various other comments like that. It did raise a lot of eyebrows, I suppose, last week when people were reading about it. Yeah, it was quite amazing. And the, the videos, I guess, of the cortege arriving at the church are on the Irish Independent website. And it is extraordinary to see, obviously, the media were lined up there. Those people just passing on the street, the guards were all there. And there was this display of, I suppose you could call it power with, with various types of motorbikes. And then that eulogy, Ken, I'll give you a little bit more of it. Obviously, there was there is a grieving family here. And the eulogy had lots of that about how much he meant to them as a a brother and a son. But then mixed in there is, as you mentioned, this idea of a big fat joint in your mouth, a hammer in your pocket, um, saying he could be found at all hours of the morning with a bottle of fast gas and a balloon and and in his mouth with a bottle of vodka. It is that kind of thing we've seen before at these gangland funerals, this kind of disregard for, I suppose, what would be a normal kind of church setting, a church speech, I guess. 
Yes, it was certainly far from normal. And obviously there was reference to as well within it to his his love of foreign trips. I believe, I think it was Tenerife and Amsterdam were also mentioned, which I suppose also gives us a kind of an insight into this was a young man who wasn't working, but he certainly had money to, to be making trips to, to those kind of locations abroad, which, which was said he really enjoyed as well, you know. It's worth mentioning as well that during his homily, the priest, Father Richard Highland Ken, he made reference to the gospel and the idea that we, we reap what you sow. And if you sow badness, you get badness back. If you sow goodness, you get goodness back, which I guess was perhaps a, a thinly veiled response to what we heard earlier. But it is extraordinary to see the church being used in that way. Things went on from that funeral. I suppose that set the scene, Ken. And later that night, more trouble. Yes, there was the, the, an afters event happened in a pub on Quarry Road in Cabra, which was attended by a large number of people. Around about, I think it was around about 9pm, a fairly vicious melee broke out and it, a number of people were injured, but two ended up being hospitalised with slash injuries. A wheel brace had been used in it. From a very early stage, Gardy were confident that this wasn't a case that enemies of Brandon Ledwich per se had attacked the event in the pub but rather it was people that were associated with some of the mourners that were at the event. One of the chief mourners that had been at the event and was actually earlier in the day photographed wearing a t-shirt as a tribute to Brandon was an individual, a convicted killer called Derek Boyd. He was one of the two men that suffered slash wounds in the attack. Derek has only been out of custody himself or out of jail since mid-September of this year, after he was jailed last year for two years for accidentally shooting his sister, Sandra, to death, basically, in, in a very tragic incident back in March of last year, in which an illegally held handgun was used, and it was accidentally discharged in a very tragic incident. And he was one of the mourners at the pub event that descended into a very violent situation. Chaos and of course all this happening against the backdrop of Garda resources being stretched in Dublin on the back of the the totally unconnected riots that happened last week as well but there was a big heavy Garda presence around uh, that pub afterwards and we'll talk Ken in a minute about the investigations that have taken place but first I wanted to ask you about the Ledgewitz family because the funeral went ahead as you say the incident that took place involved invited guests if you like but the family themselves have been advised that they might be wise to leave the Finglas area. Yes, Gardy have received some suggestion towards the end of last week that some of the gangsters that are responsible for this murder have been making veiled threats and otherwise to family members. Su- suggestions such as you're, go- you're going to be able to have your funeral but you'll, you'll have to move out after that. Now it's not quite clear and I, whether that has actually happened yet but it, it is something that Gardy have been made aware of. And essentially, Kevin, these, these are very, these are innocent people. These are not, these family members are not involved in the same criminal activities that Brandon was involved in that led to his death. That's always, always worth remembering, Ken. You said to me that the straw, if you like, that broke the camel's back was a relative of the man who's now the chief suspect in the murder investigation being attacked. Do we know much about the chief suspect, has there been any arrests yet? There's been no arrests yet in, in this case, Kevin. The chief suspect would live in the local area and would have been closely associated with Brandon over the years. He's a convicted robber that has a number of previous convictions 
and has has previously served jail time. His home was searched in the aftermath of the murder, but he was not present. Last week it emerged, it could have been Monday or Tuesday night of last week, he arrived at a local guard station and basically presented to say that I hear you're looking for me. What happened then is, th this wouldn't be the first time that a suspect has done this, Kevin, but the, the Gardaí have a view that there's no point in interviewing or arresting people until they have all their evidence, which can be forensics, mobile phone evidence, CCTV evidence, and, and as much evidence as they can before, before they want to speak to a suspect. So they basically told them to, for, for want of a better word, to get lost. I suppose the view would be that they'll interview him or dash arrest him once they have all, this, all the material that they need to put to him. This had happened before, Kevin, actually, a number of years ago. There was a high-profile stabbing homicide in the south inner city when a well-known son of a notorious criminal arrived in at Kevin Street Guard Station with his grandmother to say basically the same thing, I know you're looking for me, and and he, he got the same response from the guardie that um, we'll, we'll speak to you when we're good and ready. And a number of months later, he was arrested and charged and later jailed in relation to that stabbing offence. And what do we know about where Gardaí are at in terms of gathering that information? Because it was a pretty brazen attack, a handgun used. He was shot at close range on his own doorstep at a time in the evening when there'd be quite a lot of people moving about, Ken. So do we know, is there any sign of the weapon? Are there witnesses who might have seen what happened? Well, no weapon has been recovered. As for the area we're talking about, unfortunately, witnesses are very highly unlikely in relation to the amount of gang intimidation, drug intimidation that goes on in the area. And I suppose their perception is that it could be a number of weeks before there's an arrest in this case. And what about the incident after the funeral then, Ken? Have we had any arrests in that? There has been no arrests in that, but what Gardy seemed to be working on is the theory that the young man who was involved in, in the very violent assault had a personal grudge against Derek Boyd in relation to his previous criminal activity, in particular the fact that he had fatally shot his sister Sandra, even though obviously that was accidental. So whether it was drink-fueled or drug-fueled, this kind of grudge seems to have sparked something in, in the suspect that, that led to the, basically a fairly horrific slash attack. Now, we know the public order unit were at the Matter Hospital after that pub incident, Ken. Have tensions calmed down any what in the days since? Yes, there's been no major incident over the weekend just past Kevin. So things seem to be fairly calm just at this moment in time. Ironically, we you spoke about guard resources there earlier. The particular area of Cabra where that pub, where, where the assault happened on Thursday night, is basically policed by Mountjoy Guard Station, who their officers have been kind of flat out dealing with a horrific stabbing in the in Dublin city centre the week previously. So I suppose Guard resource-wise is the last thing that they need to, and as as was observed, it was, it's a, it was a very big crime scene. There's a lot of Guardi involved in the pub attack investigation as well. Again, of course, Finglas, unfortunately, it's an area where these things do happen from time to time. Is this related, is this a very isolated incident right now or this, this goes back to previous things like we see, we've seen in the past? I'm thinking in particular if you go back to last year, the murder of James Whelan, which caused a lot of tension in the area. This is completely separate, Kevin. This particular murder is a localised issue. So the murder of James Whelan is part of a, a very kind of bitter ongoing feud involving 
arrival of him, who for legal reasons we refer to as Mr. Flashy. He's a drug dealer as well. Again, it's a drugs-related feud. It would be it, That's a much wider issue, and that's been ongoing. The last major incident in that particular feud actually happened on Halloween night last. When, which is a typical thing that ha- has been happening in that feud over the years. An innocent f- female relative of Mr. Flashy, her home was shot up. It was suspected the main suspects for that are believed to be associates of Whelan. So this most recent murder, the only gangland murder of the year, is not is not connected to the wider Fingus feud, even though some of the participants in the wider feud would have associations and links with some of those suspected of being involved in, in this particular murder. And then it is really interesting to know, Ken, I think that the killing of Brandon Ledwidge was the first gangland murder of 2023, which in all my years working with you a lot in the Herald and and the Irish Independent, I think that must be the lowest number we have had in well over a decade or probably even longer. Uh, Why has it fallen back? Is it to do with the Kinnahan's been somewhat off the pitch? Is it to do with franchises just working better together? Is it to do with Garda Garda work on the ground? It's an open-ended question, Kevin. There seems to be many reasons for it. And it is a question I have asked. What seems to be one of the most prevalent answers to it is as part of the Hutch Kinhan feud, which claimed I think up to 18 lives when you know when it was at its height, a lot of the people, protagonists involved in those organized shootings ended up being caught for various reasons through mobile phones and CCTV evidence. We're on a long route march in terms of these organised crime groups about bringing individuals to justice and bringing them to justice for serious charges. So, uh, yes, there, there will be setbacks, but the prize is that actually we break down these organised crime groups. We're determined to do that. And if I might say that these gangs have some notoriety, but my gang is bigger than their gang and we'll just keep working away at this. But guards will say to you that no matter how bad a criminal one might be, it's it's rare enough to find a criminal that's prepared to kill somebody that they don't know for money. And what happened is when the guards had such huge success against many of those that were involved in those, particularly Kinahan organized murder plots and murders, people were taken off the streets, hitmen, people who were organizing these things. It meant it was dozens of people that were of the mindset that they were prepared to kill somebody for money, basically being locked up. Now, what we're seeing in the last couple of months, and it's going to happen in the next few months and years, a lot of those people who were arrested back in 2016 to 2018 and were uh, done for conspiracy charges and so on are now coming out of prison. So it's a record year in relation to the fact that that, that was the first gangland murder of the year, from, from my memory anyway. But there is fears that with people that are criminals that are inclined to carry out murders basically for money being released from prison that we mightn't see such a low rate of gangland murder attempts or, or gangland murders next year. My thanks to Ken Foy. I'm Kevin Doyle and today's episode was produced by Tabitha Monaghan, researched by Dara Nolan with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips were from the Irish Independent, RTE and Virgin Media News. You can follow more on this story at the Irish Independent website. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in mon Iraq the end of Chacht Erachor. Agasuligam a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Lenavinterfe. Skilti, Fis. 
Turmi. Pashe Dochretche nach Vetoch Ara Igornamion on Kestchen Echol. Vien Talam Aginom Griv Orkar Nrachtum. Yatakshetarin Griven Orkarstan Elistuhalagis Gimina Fracht, Gorokligsar Dukashenecher. Only Vin Aun, Thardarakshin, Vin Marav. Shachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. <laughs>